0: All right, welcome to uh, the Kane collects podcast and uh, you know the last episode was kind of just an intro to what this podcast is going to be about and at the end of the episode i teased i was going to have a guest and kind of like i teased him as a, i hope he doesn't get too shy here as a hobby heavyweight here in the industry a lot of people know who he is and if you don't know who he is um he is one of the guys that kind of well-known collectors investors that everyone knows about and knows a ton of knowledge in this In this industry and this hobby and not just cards but other collectibles and we'll ask about that and uh i want to introduce jason koontz the owner ceo of utia sports jason thanks for joining me man thanks for having me man i appreciate you
2: uh it was good
0: uh good seeing you this week and i'm glad to be here absolutely it's always good to see you and uh actually because uh for people they don't know this but we ran into each other you know ironically at a card show unannounced or anything you're just kind of you know want to hit up a show with your kids and i happen to be set up helping out a friend of mine and you walk through and stuff and i mean you get a great deal and i'm like man if all people that doesn't need a great deal it's this guy and i mean come on so i mean you're always buying of course Uh, you pick up anything uh anything cool lately by the way
2: um i mean we're always buying i mean at that show i bought a gretzky rookie just totally like literally went to the card show with my kids and you know stumbled upon a gretzky rookie so uh, it's an addiction and uh (laughs) you know uh, i bought a you know, we have we have a bunch of collections that are always, you know, through email or phone calls. And we actually had a a couple come to the office yesterday and sell us a vintage collection that had some 1914 Cracker Jacks or the Ty Cobb. So, like every day is is a very interesting, like what's going to walk through the door type of feel.
0: That's awesome because, um, like I said, I teased uh, a guest, you know, that was been in this industry for a long time and started from the bottom and is now like basically at the top. And that's why I kind of want you to let people know about. When and why did you start collecting and how did you get where you are today? I mean, let's start with, like I said, the when and, and why. Why did you start collecting and when? Oh, man, dude. Like the same as everybody else. Like, you know, 10, 11 years old, going to the local
2: card shop, ripping packs. For, for me, in my scenario, it was like the whole Shaq craze. Like, I totally remember just being in awe of Shaq. And it was like, that was the the beginning for me. And then the next year with Hardaway, and you know, I'm a big basketball guy. I you know you're a big basketball guy and football guy. Um, you know the Chris Webber, that Hardaway, Grant Hill—that early '90s basketball. Just fell in love with it. So obviously, young kid didn't have a bunch of money. Mowed lawns, shoveled snow, did everything you could to go and, and rip packs and and do all. That. It was way different than it is today with everything online and stuff. You know, you actually had to physically go to your your local card shop for a card show and buy the packs and, um, you know, and and then it was it kind of just went from that of just a a hobby fun to. Wait, you can actually make some money, you know, flipping flipping stuff in this. So, when a lot of friends kind of ventured off into getting their dishwashing job or wherever they went, I I started just doing more card shows and, and flipping deals, and you know, really it was taking dollar cards, selling them for two dollars, and then over the years, you know, it, you kind of graduate to you know ten dollar cards to twenty, and 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 now today, you know, we we spend a you know a lot of money, and um, you know, it's the same principles as you know buying a dollar and turn it to two. It's just on a different scale now.
0: Yeah. Just a bigger scale. So like, as you, you alluded to, you know, you're a kid and you found out like, well, I can make some money doing this, but you know, back then it's like maybe money just to, to buy more cards and have more fun. When did you think like, I know like, Hey, this could be a career. This could be something I do for the rest of my life. Or, you know, this is, this is fun. I want to keep doing this and make money at the same time.
2: Yeah. At, at a pretty young age, actually. Um, I, I remember it pretty vividly. I was set up at, uh, Philadelphia Sports Fest in like 1996, and um, you know, and I'm like 15, 16 years old. I'm young, and PSA, one of the big authentic, the biggest authenticator at the time, they were coming booth to booth, trying to convince people why they should grade sports cards, which is which is pretty wild considering you know during COVID it was like a two year wait, you know. So we in a 25 year span we've gone from the grading company trying to convince you why you should grade to a two-year wait. And so in the very early stages of grading, the the beginning, a lot of the old time dealers are like, screw you. I don't need, you know, who do do I need to, you know, I don't need you to tell me what my cards are. And they just didn't understand it. And me being young, like, it's almost like being early on crypto or being early on the internet. I just, I kind of bought in and and thought this grading thing was gonna be the next big thing. And it was, so um, when Kobe came into the league And like then Tiger Woods and in golf took off, I was already, you know, hooked on this, on the grading process and submitting a lot of cards. And, um, you know, throughout my high school years, I was, you know, submitting tens of thousands of cards a month to PSA. And at the time, and then Beckett eventually launched their grading services, I think in 99 or 2000, um, you know, for, for all that, but it was just being in the right place at the right time, having the passion and, uh, you know, it it just, it lucked it, it was kind of everything you know catching lightning all at the right time and uh yeah i i hit a pretty good run
0: yeah i mean because i'm sure at the time i mean you're 15 16 years you were set up at that car show were you selling or did you just go to buy or for fun yeah so so back then
2: like basically i'm lucky to have a really cool mom who like just trusted me like i helped out with the bills and you know i didn't grow up with a lot of money so you know i had a lot of friends that were 17 18 that could drive yeah so this show i think i was probably 15 Um, in '96, whatever it was, boy. No, sorry, '96. I'm 14, so if I'm 14 at this show, oh my god. Um, yeah, yeah. So I had a friend, a friend who actually lived in Chicago, um, that I'd met in the card world, had drove and picked me up, and basically the deal was, um, it's always nice to have extra help, you know, at a table, and if I would kind of help out, he usually give me like a free table, or not. sorry, not a free table, a free uh, showcase, and then, um, usually throw me like 50 bucks to help out for the weekend, and. That was kind of my you know for me it was like oh i get to go to philadelphia for free i get a free showcase at this table like maybe i can sell some stuff and you, you see
0: know cards and all that stuff uh,
2: yeah i mean it's like all those stories of i remember going to a show in boston and for boston um you know it's like a 15 16 hour drive and the the only way for me to get there was a group of guys that had a uh actually a card show down kevin savage down in, in toledo so I had my mom drive me to Toledo and then I had to sit on a milk crate in the back. So there was no seats cause it was two seats and then all the cards in the back. So I'm sitting on a milk crate for 15, 16 hours there and back to, you know, make hundred bucks for the weekend. And at the time that was amazing. Um, learned a lot from some of the, the other hobby, older guys, the pioneers and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it was just such a, you know, and, and honestly the same thing I would say then and now is I do pretty well now, but like even if I didn't do well now, I would still do what I do. Like the money's a bonus. I'm not going to like, obviously money's amazing, but if I was making, you know, 22,000 a year doing what I do now, I would still do it because I don't feel like I'm working and I just have such a passion for it. And it's like, every time I think back to, you know, if you were to talk to your previous self at a, you know, at 12 or 13 years old and say, Hey, you know when you're 40 you're going to be buying and selling baseball cards for a living it's like obviously you know you you wouldn't you wouldn't really believe that to be a reality and the fact that it is is pretty amazing
0: that is, that is amazing i mean like you're kind of living the dream for a lot of collectors you know this is i think like i but i consider you like, like kind of like the 1% like the pros if you're your kid growing up you want to play sports but only like the 1% even to have a, a sniff at you know being pro and I'm not talking like you're at the peak peak. I mean, of course you could own a, you can set up at a card show or maybe even own a card shop one day or whatever. But I think you've gone like beyond that when you were like 14 years old, 15 years old and you're at this card show and, and you know, I'm imagine you're surrounded like a lot of older guys that have been selling cards for a long time and they weren't buying the grading idea. And for some reason you either you were convinced or you saw the, you know, Hey, this is going to be a good idea. You could have been bamboos at the time we never know where grading could have gone but i mean we know where it is now but um it's just amazing that you you're like you know what yeah this is this is a good idea and i'm gonna you're grading that many cards at that age i mean you did the math and it worked out you know a lot of this is math anyways so what do you have advice wise for someone who, cause nowadays it is a lot about the money for some people. I mean, for me, it's, I'm just a true collector. I just collect, you know, you know, IPC Jordan and I'll pick up other stuff every now and then, but, and I may sell other stuff, but like I've told people many times, it's more just to feed my Jordan addiction and things like that. And it's not my income. Um, what do you tell someone right now who's looking to jump into the collecting world, whether they want to be a collector or make this a career? What do you, what kind of advice do you have for those the people?
2: That's yeah, a, it's a great question. I mean, well, number one, you know, just listen, um, you know, just take in a lot. There's so much content out there now, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of bad, but there's still a lot of good content out there. Like I would, I wouldn't just jump in crazy. I would learn and, you know, start off small. Like it's, it's okay to, you just see so much bullshit online. It's just, everyone wants to be the big dog and all this big money. Like there's so many cool cards that are like, You know 5 10 20 bucks like you don't need to like jump into this like crazy arena of 10 20 50 100 cards so like learn the business you know spend a year or two like under there's just so much to take in um you know get advice a lot a lot of the 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 older dealers like are happy to help people out like when people message me like if i have time like i love like if i'm in the airport you know going through instagram and just answering a bunch of messages and, and um you know helping people out but i think um just take it slow taking a lot of content like learn like know that you don't have to be you know you don't have to go buy a jordan 10 like you, mm-hmm. you can you know you can work your way up there's plenty of time like for me it's like people see where i'm at now and like I don't, there's some jealousy sometimes and there's different things but you know and because there's a lot of people that came into hobby pre-covid like you know 2019 and like they don't understand that i've been in this for 25 years so it's just the relationships and like there's you know, there's just so much time that was put in and like, there really is no easy path, like in anything. So, you know, I know a year two, three years, sounds like a lot of time, but if it's something you really want to do, you know, and I I have a lot of younger guys that work for me that are in their early twenties and you know, they, they want it now. And I, I, I just can't stress them enough. I'm telling them like, guys, enjoy the journey. Like if I could go back, one of the things I would do more is enjoy the journey. Cause I was really focused on making a lot of money and, I, I kind of got caught up in that and I, and I took a lot of, you know, in my twenties, I didn't do a lot of stuff because I was so focused on work. And if I could go back and talk to my, I would say, Hey, the money's great. The money will come, but like, enjoy the fact that you're traveling around the country and going to card shows and like living
0: a, a kid's dream and take that in and enjoy it. And like, you know, yes, there's you stressful never- moments. Kind of remember but, why you got into it in the first place. It was fun, right? Like you want
2: to a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, you know, we, we all get stressed. We get stressed in business, but it's like, I try to, even now, like when I get stressed and take a step back and be like, you know, this is what we're doing. This is not rocket science. It's, it's baseball cards. So, um, anytime I do that, I, I, it brings me back and grounds me to like how awesome this is, you know, as a career.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, as you mentioned there is a lot of BS out there and there, you know, how the social media influencers doesn't matter if it's pop culture or cards that people are putting content out there just to put content out there. Like it's, I think for like a, someone who's getting back into it or a newer collector, um, that's going to be hard for them maybe to sift through what's real, what's not. And I think that don't go beyond your means, you know, like you said, starts it's okay to start small because I've already heard the post pandemic. Some guys that have like spent way too much that, you know, now they're, you know in debt and whatnot or spend way too much on cards you probably saw the price of cards and were like this is ridiculous like you know so it, it, it was wild yeah it, it didn't it just didn't feel real a lot of us we kind of
2: like got caught up in like it, it was just really weird times and it's like you know going back to um you know now that we're able to go back to shows and stuff it's like going it, it there's less downside to it the cheaper stuff like it, and honestly it's it's easier it's a whole lot easier to double a $10 investment and flip for 20 than it is to like buy a deal for 50 grand, sell for hundred grand. So like, if you have very minimal bankroll, like messing around in that, you know, five to $20, $30 range, I love it personally. Like I if I get a moment, like, you know, I go to shows, a lot of people want to chat with me and stuff. And I, like, I don't have time to, to do what I, you know, to do what I was once able to do. But like, if I had my choice, you, you saw me at that show, I had a hoodie on, I did not want to be recognized. All I wanted to do was be with my kids and go through dollar boxes and just be, you know, in, in my element. And I still would like, that's what I would do to like at the national uh, it nationally. We, you, we, you know, you came to our, our booth and we chat we chatted there. I didn't have like a free moment. It was crazy, but all I wanted to do was like buy cards over the table and just, you know, be a dealer and have fun. And it's harder to do that now because it's gotten so crazy, but um, you know, that, that's just, there's just so much fun in all that.
0: Yeah. You mentioned like, the ten dollar, twenty dollar cards. I think, like when you look at bigger cards, even if it's a hundred, two hundred, five hundred dollars, thousands of dollars, I feel like there's no value anymore. The price is kind of built into the card. Like let's just talk like Trevor Lawrence or even worst case scenario, Mac Jones right now. Okay, that that was going crazy a while ago. Like you're buying a guy who basically his resumes. I've won three Super Bowls. I've made this many Pro Bowls, but he hasn't yet. And so, you know, people are spending money big money on this and they're not going to get the return on it. And if it is a return, it's a minimum. It's not like you said, doubling your money on it. So my question basically to you is what do you think of the current state of the hobby and collecting cards right now? I know there's like a lot more people involved, but it's a good and a bad thing. But yeah, what do you think of the current state?
2: So, I mean, 80% of what I have is vintage. I'm a big vintage guy. There's just not a lot of it out there compared to some of the modern stuff. Um, yeah. Like when I see the Desmond Ridders and the Sam Howells and like, you know, it scares me that some of these prices, like you can go buy a really good Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady for the same amount where it's just like, oh my God, that doesn't even make sense. And I actually made a post like a few weeks ago that said, um, just so you guys know, like the reality is in five years from now, some of these $30,000 cards are going to be a hundred bucks. And a lot of people haven't lived through that yet. I've lived through it three or four times now. Um, You know, I remember, you know, they're back up a little bit now, but there was a point in the late nineties where some Kobe tens were selling for 10, 20, 30,000 and got down to like $30, $40. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I've seen like Vince Carter, um, you know, still a great player. Yeah. One One that like really jumps out that like a lot of people listening might not even remember the name. I remember selling Dante Culpepper PSA 10 SP Authentics for five to six thousand dollars a piece, and he was a hot prospect quarterback. And those are like fifteen to twenty bucks now. So
0: you know that's a huge reality. Well, that's the thing. Like prospecting, it used to be fun and can still be fun, but it's like I feel like it's almost priced out of prospecting now. If a guy wants a a Sam Haller or a Desmond Ritter, why am I going to pay the same price as I'm paying for a Peyton Manning who's actually done something in his career, who's a Hall of Famer? Does it make sense or? Is this, do you think it comes back down somewhat? Like like I said, I feel like it's already priced into the card where I'm not, it's not even prospecting anymore.
2: It it definitely feels like a lot of the, the upsides already built in. but listen, like I'm guilty of this too. Pretty bad. You know, like my, my first really bad bust was Matt castle in Oh five. When Brady went down, I thought Brady was just a product of a system. Clearly we we know now he wasn't. So I dumped, (laughs) I dumped like, 300,000 in Matt castle cards that are now used as coffee coasters. Um, I won't sell them. Like they're just part of my collection. So like I thought I learned my lesson there and then like one of my biggest, bigger investments and what I thought was my safest investment is like, I have the biggest Andrew luck collection in the world. And like, to me, Andrew luck was like the perfect. And I put, you know, I don't know, five or 600,000 in Andrew luck. That's now same thing. It's they're worth, you know, I mean, he's he's better than Matt Castle, but my my process, my thought process was, if Andrew Luck wins a Super Bowl and if multiple Super Bowls, like I thought it was going to be a ten x investment, and he was a number one pick, he was just like a really thorough. Like he reminded me like of the next Peyton Manning. Like he he was the guy, and I honestly think if he didn't just retire out of nowhere, um, you know, he had the upside to do that. So that's a crazy one that I never even put on my radar is a a player just up and retiring out of nowhere. So, uh, that definitely kind of threw me off. But, um, and even me, like, not that I'm, you know, I do this professionally and I'm an expert and I win more than I lose, but I've taken some massive losses and I try to preach to people, like, just know that that is a reality of what can happen in this game is, you know, you can, you know, you might not, you might lose more than half. Like you might lose 99% of your investment on some stuff. Now you're probably not going to you know, lose that on a Jordan rookie or a Gretzky rookie, but you know, some of these newer guys, if they end up, you know, like Mac, Mac Jones has not looked great. You know, lately it's like, he's,
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: People are very easily forgotten. The other day I had asked, like, where's Trey, you know, where's Trey Lance? Trey Lance is in Dallas. You know, I just, I just found that out the other day. Like, he's a backup in Dallas. And, you know, four or five months ago, his cards were $50,000. So... I don't know. It just be really careful is, is, is the advice, you know, it's, and, and, and honestly, even, uh, there's some massive sales with Joe Burrow and like Joe Burrow just had his first good game of the season. So, you know, maybe, maybe like it's an opportunity to buy Joe Burrow now, like with the fact that he kind of started slow and his, his prices have dipped. So it's, it's with the newer stuff, it's definitely more volatile and which could be good for quick spikes and, and flips when players get hot. Um, Personally, I, I I like the the e you know the safer slow and steady you know the older and, and more rare it is the stuff that's less less traded is uh, more more where I I like to play these days.
0: Yeah, I don't think vintage gets enough love. Actually, I know there's obviously really expensive vintage cards, but it's definitely less volatile, like you said, and it's you know it's a a safer investment if you want to go that way. And always. Remind people that I mean that's if you want to make this your career and be an investor or whatnot. There is nothing wrong with staying as a collector and collecting stuff that you love because you collect stuff you love. You can't go wrong because you if you if you love that card or that player, you're going to keep it anyways. You're for the most part, you know, you're going to keep it in your collection. You'll always love looking at it. Man, I don't sell a ton of Jordan stuff because I collect it. I mean, I'll sell doubles and things like that. Or and I think everyone has their price at some point if it's just to you know. To makes too much sense to sell it, then yeah, go ahead, you know, and I'll do that too. I'm no, I'm not immune to that, but i was just reminding people: collect, remember why you started, and then you you, you won't be able to, you won't go wrong. So before yeah, I let you I, go, yeah, go ahead. Oh I, oh, I was just gonna
2: say, like, no, I definitely have two versions, of, two versions of myself as well. But investor, you know, buy sell, got to make money, and then I have like my whole PC that I definitely get caught up in bidding wars where I know I'm overpaying, and I just don't care because you know. I, I went back and rebought all the 90s basketball um, stuff as a kid that I could never afford that was just like dreamy and you know now that I have a little, little bit to buy like I've went back and bought the refractor sets and the chrome refractor sets and some of the credentials and the rubies and the the autographics and all that stuff that um, was unobtainable and yeah when I'm getting when I see it and I haven't seen it for a while I'm like yeah I'm buying that and I don't care if I overpay because it's going in a binder and it's, you know, gonna get passed down to my kids so they can, um, you know, experience the same thing that I did.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, like it's, when you're younger, a $500 card might as well be a million dollar card, you know, and there's something that was like a crazy pack pole that you'd never thought you could open up yourself and get it and you see it as an adult and you're like, I can get this and it takes you back to a happy place. I think you see me right now. I mean, people are listening on the podcast, but we're looking at each other on a, on a video call. I'm in an area where I can just sit down and like, look at cars and just relax. You know, we both got young kids, we got wives and families. And sometimes you just want to just get your mind, you know, kind of Zen for a little bit. And just I, and when I look at cards, I can do that where I, you know, not worried about anything. Um, yeah.
2: Or, 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 like go rip an old Prada, you know, like pull a box out from 93, 94 and <laughs> oh, man. Open, open some packs. It's 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 uh, I've done that with my kids a lot, like ripping stuff that I used to rip and, um you know bringing you back to that era is definitely actually like uh, a t-
0: at that show you saw me at i actually ended up picking up a box of a uh, top stadium club basketball 1992-93 series two i'm looking at it right now it's the beam team for those that don't remember you can get jordan beam team shack beam team i'm gonna rip it i'm gonna put on youtube and i'm gonna be happy about it and then i'm probably not gonna get a jordan beam team out of it but you know what i'm gonna have a lot of fun opening up those packs so gonna- I, I love that
2: yeah it's, it's it's a gorgeous set i have i have a lot of shack beam teams i was buying them for like 5 or 6 years I would buy every single one I have seen so um I just think that's Shaq's best rookie you know there a lot of you know Shaq there weren't um you know like numbered inserts in, in that in that yeah. era yet so his best rookie is that beam team and it's just you know Shaq's like the most dominating player of all time in in a certain era you know that 2000 to 2000 three Lakers team was just insane. So this is almost uh, like
0: another topic. And when I, cause I'm gonna have you on more than once, but I feel Shaq might be the most undervalued athlete in sports card in like history. Like I can't believe how undervalued he is for how dominant, like you said, he was, he's a winner and he's a pop culture icon. People to know them, know him to this day, still like Jordan, you know, Shaq's in every commercial he's on TV and he's a fraction of the cost of some of these other players
2: we we could have an entire hour podcast about why shack is undervalued like yeah i mean we'll save that for another one but it, yeah it, it's insane how dominant he was and and with all that like his personality his yeah. kindness is like larger than life <laughs>
1: yeah
2: i mean he was he changed he changed the nba after jordan and magic and i mean it's like yeah we could go on forever about him but that's a that's a whole podcast talking about Shaq
0: one more thing before i let you go uh what are you collecting besides cards man anything else because this is this is a podcast about all collectibles and that's why i'm going to have you on again because i want to talk to other collectibles with you what do you what else you collecting oh man i'm addicted you know so yeah because
2: cards is like i guess you
0: know my main business
2: what what gets me the way that you kind of like geek out and your escape is to sit down with cards i have that feeling too but like for me i've been really big into sealed video games um that's like really brought me back so like when i pull out a sealed mario it doesn't need to be sealed either i just love like the cartridge in, in the box of like a super mario 3 or um you know some of the games that i played as a kid like that really is my happy place i've been you know investing a lot into that and then in the memorabilia side like i collect checks so initially several years ago i made a list of 300 names you know the beatles john lennon um elvis presley marilyn monroe all the presidents and, and just and started just checking off you know on this on this lit. bruce lee you know and, and i started buying doubles and and it's like become an obsession of checks so i've i just to me i, I think it's so cool and then the the other thing on the checks is like it adds another layer of uh, authenticity because you know it's less likely that an, it's gonna be a fake autograph on a check and then it's like what is the check made out to you know it's like you can kind of it's dated and, and look at the experience and I don't know, it's just this weird rabbit hole that you can go down to. And, and you know, so that, that's one of my big things is, is um, checks of famous people. And then in video games outside of uh, sports cards.
0: It sounds like two more podcasts I could have you on and then and plus <laughs> the, the the shack undervalue podcast but uh man thanks for joining me uh as always we'll talk again for uh for sure um hey people if you like the podcast please subscribe and download it helps a lot uh tell your friends tell your family uh, I don't even care if you listen just download the podcast no but please do listen and as always uh keep collecting.